Make sure you check out our online store where we work with our graphic designer to create stunning garment and product designs that feature a wide variety of aircraft types such as British fighters, World War II aircraft, American bombers, Russian fighters and much more. You can pick your favourite designs and personalise any items within our Redbubble store that range from clothing right the way through to stationery. All of our designs feature our logo so you can show your support for the channel while getting a quality product. You can head to our website aircrewinterview.tv and click store or go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash AC interview. Thank you and enjoy. So Chris, when did you first become interested in aviation? Um, I didn't know I was in interested in aviation until I was about 12. We went on a family holiday and uh, I remember quite vividly my father, um, I was walking up the stairs onto this old uh, Trans Australian Airlines 727 and he pushed me in front of him and he said to the stewardess, my son Christopher wants to see the cockpit. I didn't know what a cockpit was. So he pushed me into the cockpit. The next thing I knew, I was strapped into the jump seat behind the captain. Lots of new words, jump seats. There was a flight engineer to the right of me. There was a first officer. And I sat in that 727 for takeoff. And from that moment, as we, we rotated into the sky, I thought, wow, I didn't even know this existed. And um, I remember these, uh, these pilots all looked around at me after takeoff. And they said, so what do you think of that, Christopher? And I went, is this your job? And they all laughed at me, which doesn't help the a 12-year-old boy. And basically, I decided that that's the job I want to do. And it's really weird how that moment is still so vivid in my mind. I can't remember before that, and I can't remember the holiday we went on. It was just like, I'm going to be an airline pilot. That's all I want to do. So you didn't want to, like, many people uh, like tend to go to the military, but you wanted to go airline. But did you ever try to go for the military? I, I did. I applied to the military. And at the time, um, if I was successful, I had a private pilot's license before I was 18. And um, I applied to the, the um, military. And at, the moment that, at that moment, they were flying F-111s and F-18. And they were getting the F-18 Hornet in Australia. And I was really, really keen on that. And what put me off is one of my school friend's dad was an airline captain. And he had a big house, a Porsche 911, a speedboat and a yacht. And he said to me, no Air Force pilots have any of this stuff. And I was sort of like, hey, I want the Porsche. <laughs> and that's, that's that's it when, when you're 18 and impressionable that that's that's what you go for so you're kind of single-minded at that track and, and also he, he, the other thing he said to me he said oh yeah i fly with a lot of ex-military guys he said but they don't join the airlines until they're in their 30s and when you're 18 you think you're 30s that's forever that's forever so yeah i was really keen on flying the f-111 and the f-18 hornet had i been fortunate enough to fly those aircraft but i never got the opportunity unfortunately because i i didn't go down that route I was actually lucky in Virgin Atlantic. I got to um, spend a week down at um, Coldrose Naval Base, and I got to fly the Hawks down there. So that was good fun. So I, I did get that little bit of military feel. But, yeah, the career in the military, um, it just didn't happen. You've got to go one way or the other. We well, can go both, but if you go both, you end up later in the airlines, and then you, you start a new career. And it's, it's actually difficult for some of the guys, especially now with COVID. Absolutely. And you talked about your PPL there. So can you tell us about how this started and how long it took? So I was that 12-year-old kid who wanted to be a pilot, and my parents, I don't come from a wealthy family, um, and so my dad said, we better go out earning. So I remember I had three paper rounds. I had a paper round before school, two paper rounds after school. I then worked in supermarkets, pushed trolleys, and my dad made me pay for my flying lesson. So um, once I'd saved up enough money, I'd go for a flying lesson. Then I'd save up some more money, go for another flying lesson. And I used to work on building sites. He's a builder, so I worked on building sites on weekends, public holidays, school holidays. And then eventually I got some work down at a local flying club at Moorabbin Airport at Melbourne. And uh, they would actually take me up in the back seat. So I'd actually get, not lessons, but I'd be seeing what, what's going on from the back seat. And then when it got time to do my lesson, I had that extra little bit of experience. So I worked at a flying school. 
Um, I used to, you know, clean the aircraft, refuel the aircraft, um, do the, the fuel checks and work on the front desk, answer the phones. And I worked at a flying school and eventually one day I ended up working at that flying school. So it was a very long, slow process, but it made me realize that the value of my, my flying lessons and, and the cost of the flying lessons, obviously. So uh, I'm self-funded by that way. Yeah, I like that kind of like you didn't have a silver spoon, you worked at it, you grafted. I think that's great. I, I never did things like um, watch TV. I'm, I'm a 57 year old man. I still don't watch TV. People say, well, did you see this on Netflix? I went, I don't watch TV. Too busy. <laughs> so obviously being an airline pilot, uh, but what was the first airline or aircraft you wanted to go into? Like when you got you, you had that vision in your mind? So, yeah, so. Obviously, as a, as a young kid, I wanted to fly the 727 because that was just such a cool aircraft. I mean, even today, it's just one of the coolest looking air, airliners ever built. I joined Ansett Airlines. They had 727s, um, although when I joined Ansett Airlines, I started on the Fokker F-27. It's like a museum piece these days. In fact, the predecessor, the Fokker 50, I've just found out, is now being retired as well. So, yeah. I mean, I'm that old. I've been in aviation that long, 39 years flying. But the F-27 was a great aircraft for a young pilot to learn. Um, the the airline um, industry. I was an Aussie bush pilot for two and a half thousand hours until about 23, 24, I joined ANSET, flew the F-27. And then two years of flying the F-27, they bought this brand new thing called the A320. It was brand new in 1989. ANSET was one of the launch customers of the A320. And I had the option, here's the interesting one, I had the option to fly the 727 or the A320. And I always wanted to fly the 727. But as a young guy in his career, I thought, no, I've got to stick with the new airplane because a new aircraft is going to take me through my career. And, and that was the right choice at the time. So how did you transition, obviously, going from a, a prop aircraft to a jet aircraft? Like, was there a massive difference there? Yes and no. It's a really good question, actually, Mike. Um, so, yeah, obviously, a prop aircraft is slower, but in many ways, it's more complicated to operate because it's an older type of aircraft, whereas the the A320 was such a new, advanced, modern airliner, but also I was a very young guy learning this new modern airliner, so it all made sense, all the computers and the side stick and, and the interface with um, with the computers and so on. So I think it was such a big difference from the F27 to the A320 that I never even thought about it. In fact, somebody said, what's it like flying with a side stick? And the first time somebody said that to me, I went, oh, yeah, it's got a side stick, hasn't it? Because you're concentrating so much on the, the operation of the aircraft, you're not really thinking of, that you're flying with a side stick. You, your hand is doing something to make the airplane go where you want it to go, but you don't really think of that because you're concentrating so much on everything else, which is you know maneuvering the aircraft and making the aircraft do what you want it to do. It was a very, very different um, concept. But, yeah, turboprop to jet aircraft, it's just faster, isn't it? Yeah. And bigger, the momentum. So when obviously the early days of the A320, was there was it all glass at that point or was there still analog gauges everywhere? No, the A320 is um, much the same as it is today. It's an amazing aircraft. Um, Airbus designed and built that aircraft in 1987 and it was introduced into only a few airlines. It was one of the launch customers in 1989 with British Airways, Lufthansa, Air France. And I'm not sure somebody out there, lots of people out there will know all the launch customers. But it was one of the launch customers. So I was one of the first people in the world to fly it. And it was a um, it was all glass cockpit. And it hasn't changed much today. In fact, the A320 became the A330, the A340. And the A350, A380, the first two where they've actually changed the concept a little bit. So the A380 and A350 concepts um, – cockpits look very different from well not very different but slightly different from the a320 but the 320 330 40 that concept or that cockpit lasted good 25 30 years and it hasn't changed much and, and it's still a very good cockpit today what is the process of going like right i want to fly for that airline what is the process of applying to getting to fly how long is that and what's included in that another good question mike um 
it's it's obviously variable. And right now with COVID, who's who's going to know how it would be? However, I would say, and I'm saying to all the young guys, um, or not even young guys, some people are starting aviation as a second career. And I say to them, you know, right now is the perfect opportunity to become a pilot. You know, with chaos becomes opportunity. And right now aviation is in chaos. So if you want to become a pilot, it will take you 18 months to two years to actually get qualified to get into an airliner. It sounds like a long time, but there's a lot to do. There's 14 exams. There's lots of flying training. I think you need a minimum of 500 flying hours. Um, I would recommend there's many different routes you can go down to, Mike. Now, you've got the big flying schools in the UK. You can hand them 100, 120 grand, and they'll give you a license in 18 months. All right? Exactly. So if you've got 120 grand, go and do it that way. That's the easy way. If you haven't, go um, to America, go to Canada, go to Australia, go to New Zealand, or we can't go to those places at the moment. But if you can get to those places soon, um, go to somewhere where it's cheaper to learn to fly, go to a smaller flying school and just bang out the hours, get the the qualifications, sit the exams. And I always recommend the United States to anybody in in the UK because there's, there's many reasons for the United States. One, it's half the price. Two, you get a lot more um, flying in because the weather's generally better if you go to somewhere like Los Angeles. Um, Three, you're going to get an amazing experience flying around the United States and different accents and radios. And there's lots and lots of, um, you know, airways and places you can fly to out in the the United States. Um, You're getting a great experience. But the, the most important thing, you're getting an FAA license. And like you say, if you want to get a job with Virgin Atlantic, um, Virgin Atlantic needs a UK CAA ATPL. However... If you've got an FAA license, you can work for Emirates, you can work at Etihad, you can work for any of the Chinese airlines, you can work for the American airlines. By having a, a, an FAA license, it, it gives you a lot more options to, to go and, and get some experience. Because Virgin Atlantic, we won't take a, a pilot until you've got between 1,500 to 3,000 flying hours. So you need to get that experience before there. We don't take brand new pilots like um, like your EasyJets and your Ryanairs. They'll take an ab initio pilot. We need somebody that's got experience. We will take a, a Ryanair pilot or an EasyJet pilot, but we need somebody with experience. So... The best way, I say, go to the States, get the license, come back to the UK, resit the exams. If you've done the exams once, you can pass them twice. And then you do a flight test in the UK. So now you've got an FAA license and you've got a UK license. Or you can even do an EASA license in Europe as well. And that will open up Europe to you. So, because the UK license is only good for the UK. Mm-hmm. You cannot work anywhere else in the world except the UK with the UK license. So, there, yeah, there's there's many different routes. But I would recommend if, if, if it was somebody asking me, like you are, I would say go to the States, find a flying school, a big flying school, do your license here, half the price, come back to the UK, do the exams, and then you've got much more options open to you for flying. And you can get it done quicker. Yeah, so just going back a bit, I'm, I'm quite interested in this. You said the 14 exams. So is it like the military? So if you get to, let's say, the 12th exam, you fail. Is that you out or do you get like certain... No, no, no. You tries? get other options to reset right. again. And I'm not sure of the exact dates. I mean, I, I, I learned to fly in 1982. So it has changed. But I remember I came from Australia to the UK in 1990 and I had to sit those exams again. I mean, I got them all first time because I needed to because I needed a job. I was working as an aircraft cleaner at Gatwick Airport. So I needed needed to get back into flying. But if you did at those days, if you did fail exams, you can resit them. But it might be you have to wait three months until the next sitting. So, you know, time is important. And if you want to be out there earning money as an airline pilot, and also you need to keep your recency, you need to keep flying. So if you've got to wait three months, you've now got to keep flying and you've got to pay for that flying. So until you get a paid flying job, you want to get those exams out of the way and get them done. Hard work pays off. Exactly. And a testament to you at the moment. So, (laughs) But uh, I want to talk about the Fokker 100, one of my favorite aircrafts, and it always reminds me of holidays, the City Hopper. What was that like to fly? It was um it was an amazing aircraft. Like I said, I had the experience on the um, the Fokker F twenty seven, but that was it was Fokker in name only. The Fokker one hundred was a really cool little bizjet. It was a um it wasn't little, but it was a hundred seat 
Bizjet. So it was um, a great size aircraft. I flew that for Air Europe. It was only very briefly, only flew it for six months before Air Europe went bust. And uh, we used to go to Brussels and back and Paris and back and Dusseldorf. And it was just such a cool jet. It was the closest I ever got to flying a Bizjet. Because you sit in this little cockpit and it's got the same sort of screens that you'd have um, the glass cockpit as the um, A320, but it was in a vertical rather than a horizontal format. Um, you were in this tight little cockpit. Um, the thrust levers looked cool. And when you put those thrust levers forward, you got thrown back in your seat and off you went. It was just, yeah, it was proper biz jet flying in a, in a, a reasonable size aircraft. It was very, very, very cool. It was a great atmosphere as well at Air Europe. So I really enjoyed flying it. I loved flying with the people. I loved the destination we went to, but it was all too short. <laughs> yeah and i want to get into your time on virgin because obviously uh the a330 and the a340 are very cool planes what were you what did you feel when you got posted i guess is posted the right word or uh to fly these aircraft so i i applied to virgin atlantic in 1990 with my a320 experience and i got a really nice letter back saying thank you very much but um we only fly jumbo jets and your glass cockpit time is not very useful for us so that was it so i thought no oh, okay um, I then um, flew for many different airlines. I ended up in Cyprus flying a 320 Euro, um, with Euro Cypria. Then I went out to Sri Lanka and I flew with Air Lanka. It was um, Sri Lankan Airlines now, but Air Lanka. And um, while I was out in Sri Lanka, and remember this, um, this is before the internet, Mike. I mean, any of this sort of communication. Yeah. So I, had, I bought a Flight International magazine at a news agent in Sri Lanka. And I saw in the magazine that um, Virgin Atlantic were buying some ex-Northwest were ordered by Northwest Airlines A340 300s. And I thought, I can fly one of them. That's a that's basically a, a 320 with four engines. So I remember having to book a phone call. Again, you have to book a phone call to call England. So I had this one of these little booths in Sri Lanka, and I called the chief pilot. I just thought, oh, I'll go straight to the chief pilot. I've, I've got to make one phone call. I'll, make, I'll call the boss. So I remember speaking to this guy, um, lovely old gentleman, and I said to him, oh, hello, sir. My name's Chris Pohl. I, um, I applied to you in 1990, and you wrote me a letter saying, um, thank you very much, but you only have glass cockpit. I noticed that you're buying these A340 300s, which is basically an A320 with four engines. And I remember he said, yes, I suppose it is. And I said, well, I think, I think it is so. I think I, I think I could fly one of them. And he goes, I think you probably can. Can you be – where are you? And I said, I'm in Sri Lanka. Can you be here on Thursday? And this was on a Tuesday. And I went, absolutely, sir, no problem. He said, right, come and see me. And that was it. That was like the interview. Wow. So I then went to the chief pilot of um, Air Lanka, Suraj Atagali, and I said, I need to be in London for this interview because he knew I was on a temporary contract. And he said, yeah, of course, of course. So they all they put me in a first-class seat all the way to London. I arrived in London on the Thursday morning. I went round to the Virgin Atlantic headquarters. I had a um, an interview with James Nightingale, the chief pilot. And um, and then he put me in a simulator with Tony Ling, who was the chief pilot. Sorry, he was the chief pilot, the flight ops director. The chief pilot was Tony Ling. I was in a, a simulator, which was a 747 simulator. And I went, ah, this is right. different. I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. And uh, and they said, well, we want to see if you could actually fly an airplane, a real airplane. So I sat in the right-hand seat of a 747 simulator. There was an engineer on the back, um, lovely man, Alan Bonnick. I went to put my hands on the thrust leaders. He slapped them, and he said, no, I do that. And I went, oh, okay. So I'm sitting there with these big controls in front yeah. of me. And, and, I, and I took off, and I had no idea. But as, I, as the thrust leaders went forward, Tony in the left-hand seat said, Mantoga SRS runway which is what you say on an Airbus. He'd obviously done an Airbus course. Right. And I knew that I knew that I got the job, basically, because we flew this jumbo around a circuit. I didn't really fly it. They just I was uh, basically a verbal autopilot. They just talked to me and told me what to do. I flew it around the circuit, landed it, and they went, yeah, you got the job. And the, <laughs> the following week, I was out in Miami on a, a course for the A340-300. So I flew the A340-300 until we got the A340-600s. And then we got the A330s um, after that as well, because we needed to move into the, the twin-engine jet. Um, business. So 
I've been flying Airbuses. Um, I've been flying Airbuses for 37 years now. No, not that long, 30, 32 years. But I've been flying with Virgin for 27 years, and I've got 18,500 hours on 340, 330, and now the 350. Crikey. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's all. get into a bit of detail, Chris, uh, for our viewers who might not know. What's, what does dash mean? So A340 dash, what, what does that mean? Dash 300, 400, et cetera? So they're, they're just model numbers. So the original one was the A340 300. I think they made a 200, which was a shorter version. But the, the A340 300 was just a model number. And the 300 was a, a longish version of the the aircraft so the, um, here's here's a good one there's an a330 200 and a330 300 the a330 200 is a little bit shorter but it has a, a larger fuel tank the a330 300 which virgin has is slightly longer but it doesn't have the center tanks and so it doesn't have the same range as the a330 200 the a330 200 a330 300 fuselage is exactly the same fuselage as an a340 fuselage the a340 is just an a330 with um wings that hold four engines that's exactly what it is. Wow. It's exactly the same fuselage. The 330 and the 340 are the same fuselage. The A340-300 is an A340, um, sorry, it's an A330-300 fuselage with wings that hold four engines. And that's it. That's and so it's a, a model number. Thanks. Then when the 600 came out, that was a very different aircraft. The 600 was an ex- extended fuselage, and the wings were very different, and also the engines were very different on the, the 600. So it's a model number. And like the 340, sorry, 350 that I now fly, um, so there's a 350-900 and a 350-1000. They're just model numbers that Airbus came up with. Mm-hmm. But the ni- there's, there's, there's not an A350-800, and there's not an A350-1010 or whatever. There's, <laughs> there's just a 900 or 1000. They just come up with those ideas. And I think it's also competing against Boeing. They just want bigger numbers bigger to make numbers. it sound more impressive. So it's, all, it's always competition. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But you must have had some amazing trips on your time with the A340. Can you, is there any that like, stick out in your mind? Oh, there's so many of them. Um, I was very lucky. I was a 30-year-old long-haul captain flying an A340-300 all around, all around the world. And the most wow. uh, famous destination was Kai Tak Airport. So we used to fly into Kai Tak Airport every day of the week. I went there probably three times a month and uh, flying the, the famous curved approach, the checkerboard approach, in the left-hand seat of a, a four-engine jet. And I remember one particular trip, I had my dad on the jump seat and my bro- one of my brothers on the jump oh, seat as really? well. The good old, in the good old days when people used to come yeah, in the cockpit. Yeah. And in the good old days when people came into the cockpit, we had all the celebrities. You know, I've had all the, the cast of Friends and Piers Brosnan and um, Frank oh, really? Bruno, um, um, Elton John. Uh, I mean, I'm miss- missing a few of them out. Many, there's so all the celebrities, you know. Um, uh, who's Snakes on a Plane? What's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. He was so cool. Yeah, so all these sort of people. Um, but the most famous person, I suppose, I flew as I flew Princess Diana back from Hong Kong once wow. um, back to London. And it was a special trip because we didn't have um, overflight clearance over China. So it was actually the longest flight I've ever done. Uh, we filled the tanks up and we flew all the way down the southern route via uh, Burma and India. And we flew um, 16 hours and 15 minutes from Hong Kong back to London against the headwinds. Wow. Really? That was a long trip. 16 hours, 15 minutes airborne. That was the longest one I've ever done. In an, yeah, basically an old aircraft, the 340-300. So, so yeah, these, so lots, lots of famous people and lots of lots of fun, interesting trips. So when these celebrities come in, are they like like children as well, just looking around like I would be, like, oh, what's that Absolutely. screen do? Or, 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 or do they like, are they, yeah. pretend they're not bothered? Because somebody's a celebrity doesn't mean they're not a person. They're, mm-hmm. they're all humans. I mean, I remember I had Kylie Minogue up there once, and, and she said she wanted to stay for landing, and I said, only if you sing to me, which she did. <laughs> 
Really? She felt she felt nervous because I said, "Well, if you sing to me, I'll, I'll fly the airplane." How's that? <laughs> Went, right, fantastic. So, but they were, yeah, they were, of course they were a little bit nervous. Frank Bruno, massive big man. Big love, he, yeah. he was very he was a very nervous flyer. He didn't he didn't even want to come to the cockpit. I said, "Come on, come in the cockpit." Oh, I'm not getting in here, Harry. No. I said, "Come <laughs> on." And he just sat there. He took up the whole flight deck, sitting in the flight deck. Big man, and he loved it. And it was really really nice because he was actually a bit of a nervous flyer. But after just half an hour of sitting in the cockpit, he said, oh, "Okay, I know what goes on now." He was uh, like. Yeah, they are. They are big kids. Um, Elton John came in and sat down. He had a good old chat, but he said he was a, uh, admitted he was a bit of a nervous flyer. But because of his his job, he has to get around flying. So, um, yeah, people are people. They're just humans, and, and they're 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 in your environment. So they they ask lots of questions as well, and some of them are funny questions. You think that's a weird question, but yeah, they you know the, the classic one: How many crashes have you had? What? <laughs> yeah, none. I'm still here, so none. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. But then you moved on to the A350. That must have been a massive quantum leap coming from the A340. Yes and no. Airbus is such a, an amazing airliner manufacturer. They've been in the business for 50 years. They've flown glass copied air or built glass copied aircraft for about 30 years. With the, they've got the experience from the 320, the 330, and the 340. The 380 was a, a bit of a change because it was a larger aircraft, and they, they altered the cockpit around. So when they built the 350, the 350 has an A380 cockpit, but it's basically underneath the bonnet, it's an A330. Now, when I say under the bonnet, every engineer out there go hang about because yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the pilot course, the pilot course, I tell you, the pilot course is one week to convert from a 330 to a 350. One week, that's all you need. And basically, it's a little bit basic. It says this this is the same as the 330. That's the same as the 330. That's the same as the 330. That's different. That's different. The engineering course is two months. So wow. basically. Airbus have built an aircraft that, air, that pilots who fly Airbuses can fly. So an A320 pilot should be able to jump into a 350 and be able to fly it tomorrow. However, underneath the bonnet, the engineering is very, very different. There's only two hydraulic systems, and they're at 5,000 psi instead of 3,000 psi. The undercarriage is very different. The reverse thrust is electric instead of hydraulic. The pneumatic system is very different. So there's many, many differences to make it look the same in the cockpit, if that makes sense. So flying-wise, safety-wise – Pilots can fly both types quite safely, but it's a very, very different aircraft with regards to engineering, and that's that's the magic of the Airbus. They've, they've got this family of aircraft that pilots can fly every one of them. You know, mm -hmm. I, I could quite happily jump into a 380, a 320, and fly both of them. And wow. one of my best friends is a test pilot down at Toulouse, and he said that's exactly what they do. They fly a different one every day. What's it like working with um, the co-pilot uh, or the first officer? Like, do you have much banter when you uh, when you're not flying and stuff like that? Do you share stories? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the, probably the best bit about the job. It's like um, we don't know each other, but I bet you we could spend the next seven hours talking to each other, just talking about backgrounds and where you're from and where you grew up. And, and that's the whole flight is like that. You know, and, and also we've got this vested interest of aviation where we'll talk about our love of aviation. So what what airplanes did you start flying and where did you do that? And, and it's a whole bio from takeoff to landing and yeah. you get to know that get down route in new york and you go for a beer and you continue the conversation so yeah i think that's one of the best parts of the job and you do fly with different people all the time um people are that's one of the questions i get asked how often do you fly with the same people maybe twice a year you might see the same person you know and we're quite a small airline compared to other airlines but um yeah you, you might only fly with with the same person twice in one year or not at all so what what would you say the split is uh, from like just becoming like an airline pilot like yourself, going up through the ranks, uh, and people who've joined uh, from the military? Um, the guys from the military, they come in. I'm a I'm a training captain, so I get to train a lot of the pilots. And I will tell you that the military guys, um, for you guys out there, they are the easiest guys to train. 
to train because they've just got that discipline with their flying and they've gone through a, a rigid um, system of um, skill tests throughout their whole career and they've always got to be better than better than better and they've always you know they've got this really strict flying uh, regime so when they come into the airlines we say okay give me a 15 degree angle of bank and they'll sit there on 15 not 16 not 14 they'll sit at 15 you say okay take it up to 20 they'll do 20 right whereas the the, the ga guy you don't know what you're going to get you know he might be an aussie bush pilot like me he might have flown f-27s he might have flown cargo he might have flown any sort of thing whereas the military jet pilots they do exactly what you tell tell them to do. They learn the stuff, and they're they're very easy to teach because they they're very um, disciplined. Discipline is the right word. They've they've got good disciplines and good skills with their flying, so they're easy to teach. But the, the thing they need to learn is it's a two pilot environment, right? So you you see them in the simulator, and they see, think that they have to do everything themselves perfectly. You think, hang on, you've got a guy sitting next to you. You can ask him to do some of that. So yeah. that's that's what we have to teach them. We have to teach them how to fly in a multi multi um, crew cockpit. And and that, that takes a little while, but we we beat it out of them. We get it. We get them working together, and and they're some of the best pilots that we have flying for us now. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you this question, Chris. What's your favorite meal when you you're traveling uh, and flying? Favorite meal? Anything that's free? No, first class. First class <laughs> food. At the yes, moment, wow. what's really funny? My favorite meal actually at the moment is we're doing a lot of cargo at the moment, Mike. So what's happening is we get on board and the the, the offers that we have, it's no there's no first class food at the moment. Oh, so no. what I sometimes do is yeah, is I'll pop into Marks and Spencers at the airport and buy myself a nice big um, curry for family curry and take it on board and we'll all have a nice curry. And on the way home, I might pick up. I did one recently. I picked up a big 18 inch pizza from a place called um grimaldi's pizza an 18 inch pizza i had to fold it to get it through the x-ray machine at the airport and then when we got on board we heated it all up and we all had pizza on the way home so yeah i think pizza in the flight deck's quite cool that's brilliant yeah so yeah how long you, you mentioned before just can you remind us how long you've been flying with virgin for i've been with virgin for 27 years just over 27 years now um and i was one of the luckiest guys when i joined um at 20 was i 25 years no 30 years of age i was a captain within the first year i was one of those lucky guys so i've been um flying for virgin for 27 years being a captain for 26 brilliant sounds like you've had an amazing career but you've also got i guess uh, a second career now on instagram how did that happen because you're yeah. a sensation chris it's, it's hilarious um so it's now 18 months ago. My daughter was um, 18 year old daughter, as, as young girls do. She's flicking away on a mobile phone while talking to her mum and listening to me because girls can do all that. And, um, and I said, what are you doing with your phone? Because it was annoying me. She was fidgeting. And, I, and she said, I'm on the gram. And I went, what's the gram? And she went, the gram. Like, something wrong with you. And I went, what gram? She went, Instagram. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I said, what is it? And she showed me and it was pictures of girls with handbags and fashion. I went, well, OK, I'm not interested in that. And she goes, no, 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 it's for everything. And I said, what do you mean everything? She said, right, what? I'll type in Airbus. And she typed in Airbus and there's a, some pictures of airplanes. And she went, look, I'll type in Airbus A350. That's the one you're flying, isn't it? I said, yeah. And then A350 pictures came up and I went, oh, that's really cool. So I opened up an account and then we were doing some training up in Glasgow when we got our first A350s and there was loads of plane spotters. And I was seeing their pictures of me flying the A350. So I then posted some pictures from the cockpit. And then I got talking to these guys through DMs, which I now know. Mm -hmm. And um, this whole communication started up. And this little community started up on Instagram where I would post pictures of the cockpit and they would post pictures of the exterior of the aircraft on the same, you know, the same airports and that. And then it went around the world. And then, um, unfortunately, COVID changed all our lives and I found myself grounded. But I had this Instagram account with maybe a couple of thousand followers, which I thought was huge. 2,000 followers was amazing then. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, well, what can I do while I'm sitting on the ground and I – with my son, we made up this idea of me holding up a sign saying, buy airline tickets like you bought toilet paper. And it was like a, 
an internet meme and it went all around the world and I was contacted by by um, Fox News, CNN News, Brazilian News. There was wow. um, German news um, crews. It was all over the world. Daily Mail got it. Everybody got it and it became a, a meme. And then all of a sudden my Instagram account started picking up and people said, what's this guy got to say? And then I basically... I've documented my my life during the pandemic, you know, arriving at Heathrow Airport and there's nobody there and walking through the airport and there's nobody there and how, how, how we get to the aircraft and how we fly to these destinations. And I've just basically documented what I've been doing and then just trying to post a bit of positivity because I thought I could I could treat this like a business. Now, I make no money out of it. I just enjoy doing it. But I thought, right, let's talk about the airline. Let's talk about survivability. So I would post um, – promoting Virgin Atlantic. That's the airline I fly for. I don't, so I'd be on the internet saying, Virgin Atlantic's this, Virgin Atlantic that. We're still flying. We're still flying cargo. We're a great airline. We're flying the 787. We're flying the 350. And I would just be promoting Virgin Atlantic on all my posts. Mm-hmm. I was then kept pushing the buy airline tickets like you bought toilet paper. Because if you remember this time last year, Mike, we all thought, oh, this will be over by the summer. Yeah. You know, this whole pandemic thing will be over. So I'm promoting people to buy airline tickets. But it just didn't happen. And then I, I, I realized that there's a lot of my colleagues who have now lost their jobs and they're not sure when they're coming back. So I then moved into thinking about trying to support them by saying, hey, guys, look, this is what it's like in the cockpit. You guys will get back and we're going to get you back. And the only way we can get you back is by me and everybody else trying to promote aviation. So I was then talking to lots of other Instagram people saying, right, let's just keep promoting aviation. We don't know when it's going to come back. Let's just keep doing it. And it's grown and grown and grown. And now we're at the point where it's so lovely is every single um, – trip i do now i'm welcoming somebody back to the cockpit so i'm training pilots now in the simulator and on board the aircraft these are guys that have spent 15 months grounded and i'm now seeing them in the simulator and i'm welcoming them back and it's just been the most fantastic feeling it's like full circle now from you know saying come on come and fly with us to actually getting guys back in the cockpits and we're now getting ready to to take off just as soon as we can and there was some publicity yesterday with um all the ceos of the major airlines in the uk trying to get boris johnson to change the rules and, and let us all fly again Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like when I go into your Instagram page, it's like a ray of sunshine. You're just happy. Some of the videos are great that you do. Uh, one of my favorite, I think, um, is where you push someone and it goes right back. Uh, yes, like, yeah, along, yeah. The, like along the galley. Yeah, I love that one. That was great. That's how I got onto yourself. And I've done that with all the cabin crew as well. When I, when yeah. they get on board, they go, "Oh, can you do one for me?" I go, "Yeah, I'll do one for you." Yeah, and I'm, I make a little video, and then they post it on there. So the cabin crew have got their own versions as well. So it's great fun. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you some personal questions here, Chris, if you're happy to do that. Of course I am. Right. So do you have any hobbies? Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> no, it used to be property development. I've got, I've, I love working on my house. I've got a couple of places that I work on, but I um, haven't been able to do much of that because I've been stuck in hotels like I am here. Um, because of COVID, I can't travel as much. So I haven't been able to do much of the property development. But I'll get back to that. So while I'm stuck in hotels, it's Instagram. Brilliant. Favorite aircraft you have flown? Oh, favorite aircraft. It has to be the A340 because I spent 25 years flying the A340 all around the world with Virgin Atlantic. So the A340-600, such a cool airplane. It is indeed. One you would like to fly before you end your career or maybe afterwards? Yeah, it's interesting. Every pilot, every pilot, unless they flew the Concorde, said they want to fly the Concorde. So I wish I'd had that opportunity. I was in the wrong age group to to do that. Um, And they'll probably be in the wrong age group for the new one, the Boom supersonic aircraft. Because I think that... That'll be flying when I retire. So, yeah, flying a supersonic air, aircraft must be pretty cool. So I think I'm going to miss out on the – I've missed the Concorde and I'm going to miss the boom as well. But that would be it. So you mentioned your Instagram there. So can you tell us, uh, tell our followers uh, and our viewers where we can find you? Oh, it's one of the easiest ones out there, at Captain Chris. The at symbol, Captain Chris. 
Yeah, C H R I S. Very easy. And you upload daily, don't you? Because you're like you're quite I mean, every day on st- stories as well. You're quite good on that, and um, some great stories out there. Yeah. One of one of my followers um, suggested a thing called Wings Wednesday, and and I started yeah. putting wings pictures of wings on there. The only problem is if you Google or not Google, but if you look on Instagram, Wings Wednesday, you get a lot of um, people putting pictures of Kentucky Fried Chicken and fried chicken. So didn't think, yeah, yeah, of course. So we changed it from Wings Wednesday to Wing Tip Wednesday, Wing Tip Wednesday, because that's that's obviously just an aeroplane. So every Wednesday, I ask people to to upload a picture of a wing tip that might be on their phone from a holiday three or four years ago picture of looking out the window of an, an aircraft's wingtip and just put wingtip Wednesday, put Captain Chris on it, and I'll upload it to my story. And it just means that we all get connected and we share our, our love of aviation because it's coming back and we'll be back there just as soon as we can. So wingtip Wednesday on a Wednesday, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing again this week. Absolutely. And as a side note here, obviously you have the best view. You must want to take pictures all the time because the views you get must be incredible. They are they are the most amazing pictures, and regularly I'm being really lucky. It's like tomorrow, I'm I'm already excited. I'm going to Los Angeles tomorrow, and when we go to not Los Angeles, we regularly fly over Greenland. Now, Greenland's not sunny every day of the week, as you could imagine, mm-hmm. but every now and then you go across the southern end of Greenland and you get the most spectacular views. And yes, because there's three of us in the cockpit, one of us could be standing up there getting all as many photos as we can. So I'll be putting lots of photos on Instagram if we get some good views tomorrow um, of Greenland as we fly over it, because it's such a stunning, stunning part of the world. So, yeah, regularly trying to get as many photos as I can because you never know when this is going to end. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, Chris, thanks very much for coming on the show and sharing a bit of your story. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, Mike. It's fantastic. You're really positive, and I love positive people. Exactly, yeah, that's what yeah. makes aviation so fun. We've all got the same love of aviation, and thanks, and very nice to meet you, Mike. You too, Chris. Cheers.